0: Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to exclusive content brought to you by Seeker's Guidance. We are committed to make reliable Islamic knowledge accessible and free of charge. Help us in our mission by making a small donation at SeekersGuidance.org/slash donate. Even $10 a month can go a long way. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alamin wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala sayidina habibina Muhammad lil qadri al wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa atba'ihi ila yawm al din Allahumma faqihna fi al din wa al ta'wil wa ilhimna rushdan ya alamin Alhamdulillah in our daily sessions on embracing excellence in which we're looking at one of the great manuals of how one brings prophetic guidance into our lives, we are, which is Imam al Haddad's work, The Book of Assistance. We've reached the chapter on reciting the Quran. And Imam al Haddad. In the previous chapter, gave us one of the most important advices possible, which is on the importance of having routines. And the key, Imam al Haddad tells us, to achieving anything in one's life is to have consistent routines that one upholds, and that one, d- one does not leave. And that happens, that applies in life in general, and it applies in our deen. And our concern for our habits of religion should be greater than our, our concern for worldly habits. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ And those who believe are more intense In their love of Allah. So what is entailed by the believer being concerned more for Allah than they are for anything of this world is that they would prioritize that which is a means to Allah and to the hereafter over matters of this world. Secondly, Imam Fakhruddin al Razi mentions that a sign of a believer who upholds this quality of faith that is that the believer would strive more for the hereafter and the things leading to the hereafter than people of this dunya would strive for worldly matters. And we should always ask ourselves that question that to what extent You know, we show up, if you hold on to your job, you show up to work consistently, right? You stick to deadlines at work as consistently as you're able to, all these other things that we stick to. You have an appointment at work, you show up to it. Do we apply the same discipline to our deen? And they say the least sign of concern for the hereafter is, that we do what we do for dunya, for our deen as well. Okay? That, just as we have a weekly schedule and a weekly plan, and we put things in our calendar and you know things are in order, we do the same for, for our deen. That is just being the, the believer, pursuing the good of this life and pursuing the good of the next. The sign of intelligence and and genuine prioritization is that one prioritizes the next life over this. And one of the keys to doing that as the the alimah tell us is to bring in some of what we do consistently for for our deen to cultivate our relationship with Allah into our worldly life. So that We have some routines that we uphold in our work so that just as you know there's we have different kinds of targets at work that we want to hit and so on similarly we have some targets of devotion that today at work I want to recite at least four or five pages of Quran so you keep you, you keep your Quran app not far from being open and in the dead time at work when you're what do you do? turn to the various spiritual priorities that you have. Of the most important of those spiritual priorities, of course, is the Qur'an. And Imam al-Haddad begins that it is, he says تعالى, it is incumbent upon you to have a regular routine, a wird, of reciting the Book of Allah, most High, that you recite consistently each day and night. Right? So you should have a routine of reciting the Qur'an, and this idea for wird of course, is known from the Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Aisha relates, for example, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, if he ever did not complete his regular routine, his wird of worship at night, He would complete it after sunrise, which tells us both of the Prophet having set routines, but also holding himself to them, so that if he happened due to circumstance, not to complete it, he he took it upon himself to make it up. Which is not obligatory, because the recommended act remains recommended, but it is a recommendation. And he says, and the least that one should strive to recite daily of the Qur'an is, he says, one juzl of the Qur'an, one thirtieth of the Qur'an, what in the subcontinent we refer to as a sipara, one thirtieth, such that you complete the Qur'an once each month. And this is a direct command of the Prophet the Prophet ﷺ said, Iqra fi Recite the Quran in a month. And some of the Fuqaha from the Hanbali school deemed it actually disliked religiously not to complete the Quran once a month because the Prophet ﷺ said to do it. Most of the ulama said, No, the, this command is one of encouraging what is virtuous. So it's not dislike not to finish it once a month, but You are leaving a prophetic encouragement and there's great merit in it. Now if you're not there yet, you build up to that. You build up to that. And you know many of the, the ulama say practically that if you don't have a regular routine of reciting the Quran, begin with a page or begin with two and do it consistently for 40 days. Do it consistently for 40 days. And resist the urge to take on more. Until you've made that a regular habit. Once you've made it a regular habit, increase, the shaytan will say, if you can do two pages, you can do 22. No, increase gradually. And in that gradual increase, your intention should be that, I want to follow the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ of reciting at least one juz of Quran. But this is what I'm able to do consistently now, and you'll be rewarded for reciting the Qur'an each month, even though right now you're only doing less than that. Because actions are by their intentions. And you could intend more than that, that I'd like to be able to recite the Qur'an much more than once a month, but start with something small. Some of the righteous would also say that one way practically to set a routine is commit to a certain minimum. That is your routine. And then one day, let's say, you know, you woke up and you had all these plans but your wife took the car, and she wanted you to do some house chores, so she took the, 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 you know, the Wi-Fi with her in the car. So you, ha- you don't have internet, and you can't find your smartphone, so you don't know what to do. Grab a Mus'haf and sit and read whatever you want, but don't change what's the, your minimum routine. Right? Don't change what's your minimum routine. So my minimum routine is this much, and when I have extra time, energy, I'll do more. But build your routines gradually. Then he says, and higher than that, it says Imam al-Haddad, is that you complete the Qur'an every three days. You complete the Qur'an every three days. So you have ten khatams of the Qur'an in the month. And a lot of the righteous a lot of the learned and the scholars do that. In fact, many of them do far more than that. And an example, if you want real examples narrated to us as hadith of the Messenger wasallam narrated, open Imam Nawawi's work, Etiquette with the Quran, which is translated into English. And you'll see many of the companions of the Prophet would complete the Quran on a daily basis. And we may find that unusual. But they did it. How? Because of how deeply connected they were with the Quran. I have a friend of mine who is actually several years younger than me. He's imam of a masjid in Jordan. He could recite the Quran out loud comfortably in eleven minutes. Like sorry, recite you know one juz of the Quran, one thirtieth of the Quran, comfortably in ten minutes, out loud, ten eleven minutes. And quietly, he could do it a minute or two faster. So it's a few hours a day we spend. Many people spend hours a day on many other types of addictions. But there's a difference between addicted to the mundane and being addicted to the divine. So he tells us, and know well that reciting the Qur'an has a tremendous virtue and a tremendous impact in illuminating the heart. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, the best of the, best of the worship of my community, is the restation of the Qur'an. And then he quotes the words of Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, May Allah ennoble his countenance, who said, whoever recites the Qur'an while standing in prayer, has with each letter they recite a hundred good deeds. And whoever recites it while sitting in the prayer, has with every letter they recite fifty rewards. And whoever recites the Quran outside of the prayer while in a state of purity has with each letter that they recite 25 good deeds. And whoever recites the Quran while not in a state of purity has with every letter they recite 10 good deeds. These are words of Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib. Of course, it is permitted to recite the Quran without wudu, but it is not permitted to touch. The Qur'an itself without wudu in all four of the schools of Sunni Islam. Um, So this is the tremendous reward of reciting it. The best way you can recite the Qur'an is in the prayer itself. Is in the prayer itself. Many of the righteous, why does Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib mention about praying while sitting for example? Because many of the righteous would, even though they're in good health, they would stand so long at night in prayer. That they would start aching, but they wouldn't stop the prayer, they would continue their prayer sitting down, which is permitted in the Nafl prayer. And part of the reason why there is such tremendous reward in reciting the Quran, you know, the Prophet said that truly Allah has elect servants amongst His creation. And the people of Qur'an are the people of Allah and His Most Elect amongst His creation. It, is, it goes back to appreciating what is the Qur'an. What is the Qur'an? One of the, one of the eternal attributes of Allah Most High that Allah has informed us of Himself is the divine attribute of speech is an eternal attribute of Allah We know from the Qur'an and from the Sunnah of the Prophet that the Qur'an has been referred to as being the speech of Allah Why is the Qur'an the speech of Allah? The Qur'an is the speech of Allah because the Qur'an indicates that which is indicated by the divine attribute of speech. Such that when you recite the Qur'an it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is addressing you directly. You are in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the impact and potential of the Qur'an. It is not simply the act that, well, I need to recite half an hour of Qur'an now. But rather, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is addressing you. So you're in a state of muwajiha. You're in a state of facing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It is Allah who is addressing you Which is why I mean just think about it If you went to work and said "You You know Our community We stand for an hour in prayer Quietly Attentively Not understanding what is being recited You'd think it doesn't make sense How can people do it? But most of us Who stand in Taraweeh don't understand what's being said, not fully at least, but we do it. Why? Because of this meaning, we appreciate the fact that this is the Book of Allah being recited. But to truly benefit from the Qur'an, that consciousness that it is Allah who's addressing me, I am in the presence of God when this is recited. But then Imam Al-Haddad continues by cautioning us about being hasty about the Qur'an. He says, beware, however, lest your concern simply be to recite the Qur'an plentifully, to recite a lot of Qur'an without reflection and proper recitation. He said these are two qualities we should have with respect to our recitation of the Qur'an. To have reflection, number one, and number two, proper recitation. Sayyidina Aisha was asked by the by some younger believers that described to us how the Prophet recited. And she was a tough lady. She was a tough lady. Someone told me once that, you know. I sometimes feel that Sayyidina Aisha was Hyderabadi, and you know, if you know Hyderabadi people, they say the darndest things. I said there's no evidentiary basis for affirming that Sayyidina Aisha was Hyderabadi. She's, she's the daughter of Sayyidina Abu Bakr siddiq who was Qurashi, his lineage meets with the Prophet a few generations up, there's no evidence for that. I said, why would he say that, she was a tough lady. I said, well, then just say she was a tough lady. You don't have to say all that. But so someone asked the Prophet's wife, Sayyidina Aisha, how did the Prophet ﷺ recite? She said, he didn't recite like you do, meaning like you people do. His recitation was clear and distinct. His recitation was clear and distinct. It was unrushed. It was unrushed. He would pause. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after every single verse. He would pause after every single verse. So this proper recitation is important. If proper recitation means that you're not able to do 130th of the Quran daily, then do the amount that you're able to do with proper recitation. The other quality is Tadabbur, is Reflection. Reflection, of course, is facilitated if one knows Arabic. If one knows Arabic, one can reflect directly on what is being recited. Though one can be in a reflective state by having awareness of the one who is addressing you, even when you're reciting the Arabic. However, it is virtuous, if you don't know Arabic, with your daily routine of recitation, Read a little of the translation of the Qur'an daily. How much? Whatever mix of recitation of the Qur'an plus reading of the translation is facilitated for you. Some people like doing 50-50, 80-20, whatever Allah opens for you, it is all good. So he says, so it. It is incumbent upon you when you recite the Quran to reflect and to strive to understand. And seek assistance in your striving to understand and reflect by adhering to the rules of proper recitation. Because they are conducive to reflection. They're conducive to reflection. And one of the ways to do it as well, practically, if you don't. And it's a way of learning proper recitation is to listen to the Qur'an daily. And you can pause it and then read the translation. And the ulama say that if you had a choice of listening to the Qur'an, then reading the translation, or reading the Qur'an, then reading the translation, then listening to the Qur'an, they said read the translation before you listen to it. Because rationally, meanings come before words. And meanings come before words. Right? So if you listen to the translation of the meanings first, then you listen to the, a good recitation, it is more conducive to be reverential when you listen to the, to the verses being recited or you recite them yourself. And then he says, and bring to your heart the tremendousness of the one who is addressing you bring to your heart the tremendousness of the one who is addressing you. Sayyidina Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq, who is of the descendants of Sayyidina Ali and Sayyidina Fatima, several generations down, he said, Allah has manifested Himself to His creation in His book, but most of them pay no attention. We focus on I need to recite the Qur'an, I need to finish my routine, I need to do this. Whereas what is significant is that this is Allah Most High who is addressing you. And even the fact that there's reward in it is secondary. Right? One of the early Muslims said, what a difference between the one who attends the Walimah for the walima, and the one who attends the Walimah to meet the one they love. You're, it's summertime coming and all these weddings happening. So I talked to my brother-in-law, "There's that wedding. He said, I don't want to go, but the food's excellent. So oh, let's go then. So you just showed up because you know there's good food. and you, there's somewhere else you, you showed up, not because it's a feast, but because you love the person who's there. Similarly, Allah has promised all kinds of reward out of mercy to us. But the true reason to recite the Qur'an, this is the Book of Allah. And that's why Sayyidina, it's related from Sayyidina Umar. That when he'd pick up the Qur'an, he would kiss the Qur'an and place it against his eyes and say, هذا Rabbi. Rabbi, this is the Book of my Lord. This is the Book of my Lord. So, and then he said, and bring to mind that you are in the presence of the One. whose book you are reciting and that it is Allah who is commanding you and prohibiting you directly when you recite the verses of commands and prohibitions and when he gives you admonition or counsel in the Quran, hear it directly from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. Right? And also when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la praises the good, don't just say, well, yeah, Allah praised those people. No! Ask Allah to be of the people of that quality. When Allah speaks ill of the wrongdoers, of Fir'aun, don't just say, what a loser! All of us have some Fir'aun within us, all of us have some Qarun within us, and all of us have the possibilities to be prophetic in our conduct, when the Prophets are mentioned. Just don't jump into any ocean. The sea may not part for you. Um, And when you recite verses that talk about divine oneness and magnifying Allah, fill your heart with magnification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the keys, even if you don't know Arabic, to benefiting from the Quran is learn the 99 names of Allah. Why? Because they are keys to appreciate what is going on in any set of verses. Because there'll be almost no page of the Qur'an where Allah does not refer to himself by some of his most beautiful names. And each of the names tells us about qualities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. So if you familiarize yourself with those names, if you don't get anything else, say, Oh, and for example, he is Al-Azizul Jabbar. You say, I know Al Jabbar. Right? So you remind yourself of those names of Allah Taala, and that keeps one's focus and one's veneration. Similarly, he says, when you recite verses where there's a promise, a wad, a promise or a threat, then fill your heart with a sense of awe right? or a sense of longing. And one of the ways to do that In one's voluntary recitation, is for example, if a verse comes about Jannah, repeat the verse several times. You don't do that within the obligatory prayer, particularly if you're leading people. But if a verse moves you, repeat it several times. It's from the Sunnah. It's related that the Prophet spent all night repeating one verse. And the Sahaba have you narrated that, said, that I looked at the beard of the Prophet ﷺ and he was dripping with tears. And it was the Prophet ﷺ reciting the words of Allah ﷻ, If you punish them, they are but your servants. They're but yours. They belong to you. And if you forgive them, then truly it is you alone who is the all forgiving and most merciful. Right? Just repeating that one verse. And that's one way. Sometimes we find a verse moves us, but we just move on from it. Just stay at that verse. Just stay at that verse, right? And if you recite verses that have a command or a prohibition, then be grateful. I'd be grateful to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And this is not immediately intuitive, but. That if there's a command, first thing to do when there's a command is to be grateful. Why? Because if Allah had willed, He would have just let, let us be without guidance. And He found you at a loss, and He granted you guidance. When the, when the Prophet and the Sahaba were, digging, were building the, the Prophet's mosque, they sang... Allahumma laula anta مَهْتَدَيْنَا O oh Allah, were it not for you, we would not have been guided. وَلَا تَصَدَّقْنَا وَلَا صَلَّيْنَا And we would not have given in charity, nor would we have prayed. Right? And then they continued. So they're, they're reciting these verses of poetry. That, O oh Allah, were it not for you, we would not have been guided. So when there's a command, respond to it with gratitude. Whether it's a command relating to, okay, أَقِيمُوا صلاة وَآتُوا الزكاة. Right? Because too often we consider the the acts of worship to be duties and burdens. But they're gifts. First thing to do with a gift is to have gratitude. If someone gives you a gift, first thing you, don't, you say is, you Oh my God, I have to take the, the wrapping off. Whoa, 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 what a burden. Right? The point of the gift isn't the fact that there's complicated wrapping, but... It's the gift itself, you have gratitude. The second response to it is to recognize your shortcoming, your taqseer, that you fall short in fulfilling what that gift deserves. So when you hear verses telling us to pray, then we should remind ourselves of how far we fall short of establishing the prayer, when we get verses on Those who spend in the way of Allah, we remind ourselves of how far we fall short in spending as the best of people spent. Sayyidina Umar gave half his wealth away, saying, today I will outdo Abu Bakr. But then Abu Bakr, turns out, had given all his wealth away. Other The Sahaba had to be told, don't give so much away. Sayyidina sa when he was in his deathbed, try to give all his wealth away, the Prophet ﷺ told him no. He wanted to give half it away, the Prophet ﷺ said no. He said, well, can I at least give a third away? And the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, give a third, but a third is a lot. Because for you to leave your family taken care of, is better for you. As the Prophet ﷺ indicated in his response. He says, or seeking forgiveness. Seeking forgiveness. If Allah is calling us to things, or prohibiting us from things, that we know we fall short of. So have an interactive recitation. Right? That you recite, move your heart. Right? Move your heart with hope, with fear, with gratitude, with resolve. That it is something of good. Say, oh Allah, I want this. Out of love out of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of make dua, the Prophet ﷺ would pause if there's verses on Jannah ask Allah, oh Allah grant me this Allah subhanahu says Allah loves those who are patient so Allah make me of the patient grant me the qualities of those whom you love so make that kind of interactive recitation of the Qur'an now within the prayer we can do this without uttering it ourselves Right, without uttering it in the prayer. So even behind the Imam says Ihidin al-Mustaqim, ask Allah like within from your heart, that grant that to me. Right? Grant that to me. Then he says, and know well, so Imam Al Haddad continues, know well, that the Qur'an is the encompassing ocean. Is the encompassing ocean. Right? And why is the Quran referred to as an ocean? For various reasons. One, because you traverse it to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's an ocean, because the ocean contains within it precious jewels. Precious jewels. And what are the jewels of the Quran? They are dazzling meanings of guidance. So from it One brings forth jewels of knowledge and guidance, and precious understanding. And the most precious understanding you gain is you learn about Allah Himself. And why do we say the Qur'an is the Book of Allah? Because the primary subject matter of the Qur'an is Allah Himself. Allah is telling us about Himself by everything He says directly about Himself. But then it is Allah who is addressing us by what He's telling us to do. And by His telling us of the consequence of our actions. So the whole subject of the Qur'an is Allah directly or indirectly. And He says, and whomever finds an opening in the way of understanding with the, of the Qur'an amongst the believers, their opening will become consistent and their light of faith will become complete and their knowledge will become vast. And such a person will come to no longer get tired of reciting the Qur'an, whether by night or by day. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be of those who recite it as it deserves to be recited as come in a, a du'a of the Prophet and grant us to recite it during the night and throughout the day. And then he quotes and then he says, sorry, and that such a person will find all that they seek, the one who gains this kind of understanding of the Quran gains all that they seek in the Quran and will attain all that they were longing for in life and he says and this is the quality and this is the quality of a true seeker of Allah the the true seeker of Allah is someone who finds in the Quran the one they seek namely Allah which is why one of the great Scholars of the spiritual path, Abu Madian, who is from Muslim Spain, from Al-Andalus, but then he moved to North Africa. He said that the one who seeks Allah does not become a true seeker unless they find in the Qur'an all that they seek. The one who claims to seek Allah does not truly become a seeker of Allah unless they find in the Qur'an all that they're seeking. So this is what he tells us about the recitation of the Qur'an and he advises us to recite some of the chapters of the Qur'an that are particularly praiseworthy. So he tells us تعالى, that it, it befits you to hold fast to reciting those surahs and those verses that have come in the hadith of the Prophet Wasallam that there's particular virtues for them, or there's particular times to recite them. So he says, and amongst that, is that one recite each night before sleeping, alif la meem sajda. And this is one of the surahs that the Prophet would frequently recite, it's also related about reciting it on Friday mornings. And wa tabarak al-mulk, and surat al-mulk, from, from which it's, regarding which it's come, it's a, it's that it's one of the surahs that's a protection. And Surat al Waqi'ah, one of the very beloved surahs of reciting that at night, there's various narrations regarding that. And Aman al Rasul to the end of the surah. When, and these are Khawatim al Baqarah, the closing verses of Surat al Baqarah. When these verses were recited, The Prophet rejoiced unusually. And then he said, Tonight they were recited to me verses, the like of which were not recited to any Prophet before me. And they were the Khawatim al-Baqarah, the closing verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. The Prophet said, Whoever recites the closing verses of Surah Al-Baqarah at night, they are sufficiency for them. They are enough for them. Enough for them from what? The Prophet ﷺ did not tell us. And one can recite them either from Aman al Rasul to the end of the surah, which is the last two verses, or the last three verses, which is one verse before that, which begins from Lillahi ma fi samawati wa ma fi ard. And the ulama say that is more cautious to do because the Prophet ﷺ referred to them as Khawateemul Baqarah, the closing verses. And the plural in Arabic is minimally three. So that's something, just to keep in mind, that reciting the closing verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. And this is one of the things that a lot of, many of us learn it when we were small. Our mothers or parents would have told us, our Qur'an teacher, then we forget about it. But this is one of the things to do before going to sleep, um, to recite. But one can do it at any other time. And you want to make a habit of reciting it in your sunnah prayer after Isha, whatever, strive to recite the Khatim of Baqarah. Also Surah Al-Dukhan has come, merit regarding it has been related. Surah Al-Kahf, whether on the night before Friday or during the day of Friday, is virtuous. Surah Al-Kahf. And you can recite these surahs or listen to them or a combination of both if you can do it all in one sitting it's best but if you find that difficult listen to it when does when does when does the night of friday begin when does the night of friday begin at maghrib, at maghrib on thursday night so many of the righteous what they do as soon as maghrib comes in on thursday night they will try to get Surat Al-Kahf done as soon as possible because I don't know if I live to to after Fajr, but you could begin. It's whatever number of verses it is. Right? Recite a few verses after Maghrib, a few after Isha, a few before sleep, a few after Fajr, and you'll have much of it done early on. Um, and then he mentions a number of other virtuous verses, such as what are referred to as the Munjiyat um, al-Sab'a, you know, there's verses, the salvific um, verses, and he says, and from that, is that when you wake up and when you go to sleep, to recite the opening verses of Surah Al-Hadid, this is related from some of the Salaf, the virtues of the opening verses of Surah Al-Hadid, which glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the closing verses of Surah al hashir which tell us, firstly, about the greatness of the Qur'an, and tell us about many of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also to recite surah al-ikhlas and qul a'udhu Rabbil and qul a'udhu Rabbil nas 3 times each the, the three quls are re- generally recommended sunnahs after every obligatory prayer the three quls because of the great meanings that they contain they are particularly recommended after the Fajr prayer and after the Maghrib prayer. They're particularly recommended. They're recommended after every prayer, but particularly recommended after the Fajr prayer and after the Maghrib prayer. Why? Because these are state it's a statement of divine oneness and a seeking of protection from every conceivable harm. In Surah Al-Qul in, A'udhu Rabbil Falaq, in Qul A'udhu Rabbil Nas. And if you begin your day, just fajr time, and you close your day at Maghrib time by seeking protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's a pretty good spiritual investment. Um, and likewise, to recite Surah Al-Ikhlas and, and Falaq Al-Nas before going to sleep. With Ayat Al-Kursi. With ayatul kursi. Now one of the things is Allah is generous. If we recite these verses we have their reward and there's a promised protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. but the circle of protection and the light and the transformative impact is to the extent that you meant it. To the extent that you meant what you recited. And one of the keys for that. Is to remember a very simple principle that mean it then say it. Mean it then say it. So imagine if you know you take your wife out for your anniversary or something, for some occasion and you're not good at sweet talk but you're practicing sweet talk because your uncle told you, beta, tell her you love her once in a while. If you take her out for faluda and you look at her and say, Jan, I love you, and a lot of our uncles aren't always very good at being romantic. Then uncle looks at auntie and then he says, you know what, I actually do love you. He said I love you, then he thought about it and says, actually I do love you. He says, you're so good to me. And then he thinks about it, he says, you know, actually you are good to me. So he kept saying all these things, then he thinks about what he says, he says, you know, that's actually true. After a while, auntie will get pretty upset and she might well walk away. That's how we, if we try to reflect on the Qur'an, that's how we do it sometimes. We'll say something and then say, okay, what did that mean again? To the extent that you can, mean what you're saying first, then say it. So we say, قُلْ Ahad." أَحَدُ Don't say it and say, okay, that means say He is Allah the One. Bring the meaning to mind first, then say, قُلْ هُوَ Ahad." Then bring to, to your heart the meaning that Allah is the unique, then say Allahu samad So mean it, then say it. And begin with what? Begin with the surahs that you recite regularly, the Fatiha, the short surahs. In this Ramadan, strive to reacquaint yourself with their basic meanings. And then he says to close the chapter and recite, قُلْ Kafirun, right? each night as well, that that these are all shields, Um, and Allah Most High speaks the truth, and He guides to the best of ways. So, the author here, in this chapter Imam al-Haddad, to wrap up, reminds us of the importance of having a regular routine of reciting the Qur'an. Every concerned believer should strive to recite one juz of the Qur'an. If you're far from that, we emphasize, build up to to being able to recite a juz of Qur'an regularly. Start with two pages a day and make it consistent, or five pages a day. Hold yourself to that for 40 days and then increase, and so on. He also emphasized reflecting daily on the Qur'an. So if you don't know Arabic, read some of the translation of what you'll be reciting. Engage your heart as you recite the Qur'an. Stir the meanings of hope and fear. Asking Allah, gratitude to Allah, love of Allah in your heart as you recite the Qur'an. Make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when virtues are mentioned. Strive to recite some of the sunnah surahs that that are mentioned. And one of the merits of reciting these sunnah surahs is that these serve as doorways into the Qur'an. Because if you recite, for example, "QulhuAllahuAhad" and you know the, the three Quls regularly, if you make a habit of reflecting on these, then the door of reflection opens with the rest of the Quran. Other surahs that he did not specifically mention, because they don't have a specific time, are to recite Surah Yasin regularly, which is referred to by the Prophet ﷺ as being the heart of the Quran. Um, and on Seekers' Guidance, we have a number of on-demand courses on these various virtuous surahs, and they're all offered completely free. One of the great early Muslims, Sahli ibn Abdullah al-Tustari, is mentioned by Imam al bayhaqi as saying that the sign of loving Allah, Alamatu Hubbillah, Hubbul Qur'an. The sign of loving Allah is love of the Qur'an. وَعَلَامَةُ حُبِّ الْقُرْآنِ حُبُّ النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم. But the sign that you love the Qur'an is love of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. Why? Because he is the Qur'an embodied. كَانَ خلوقه القرآن. His character was the Qur'an. And if you want to know any virtue in the Qur'an, look to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. He is the perfect embodiment of everything praised in the Qur'an. So the sign of loving Allah is love of the Qur'an, and the sign of loving the Qur'an is love of the Prophet The sign of loving the Prophet said, Sahli bin Abdullah is to love his Sunnah. Because what else does it mean to love the Prophet unless you love what he came with, his example. And then he continued, and the sign of loving the Sunnah is to love the hereafter, is Hubbul Akhira. Because the first point of knowledge, the ulama tell us, is what Allah tells us in the Quran, addressing the Prophet And truly the next life is better for you than this life. And what is the sign of loving the hereafter? He says, And the sign of loving the hereafter is to hate worldliness is to hate worldliness. But worldliness does not mean the things of this world. Worldliness is anything in this life that busies you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you're eating faluda out of gratitude to Allah is not worldliness. But you're putting on a fancy thobe so you can look smarter than Imam Nafis. He's always impeccably dressed. Is worldliness why because you didn't do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us love of the Quran and to make us of those who bring a habit of the Quran into our lives aqulu qawli hadha wa sallallahu wa sallam baraka ala sayidina wa nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa alhamdulillahirabbil alamin thank you for listening this lesson was brought to you by Seekers Guidance, the world's first truly global Islamic seminary. Visit seekersguidance.org to access reliable Islamic knowledge taught by qualified teachers. We offer a wide range of courses, podcasts, articles, and a world-class answer service, all completely free of charge. This is made possible solely by supporters like you. Be a partner in this blessed work by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org. donate Even $10 a month can go a long way. Our beloved prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, whoever guides someone to goodness will have a similar reward. So don't forget to share this lesson and join us in spreading prophetic guidance.